0: You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to the Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony Tony Lynn Collins and Cheryl ellsworth Johani are two licensed Texas attorneys, and we are here on 104.5 or and 106.1 every Tuesday from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. to answer your legal questions and talk about various legal topics to help you. Uh, You know, legal things are always interesting, and um, people are interested in them. And you know, we meet our listeners sometimes when we're out and about, and we're grateful for you guys, and we're glad that we're helping you. Um, Tony met a woman not too long ago who said she listened to the show every week, and uh, she said, Tony was kind of surprised, and she said, you would be amazed at how many people are out there looking for good information that doesn't cost anything, and so we're glad to be a public service and do that for you guys. Um, today, Tony and I are going to be talking about habeas corpus. Dick, do you, have you ever heard of habeas corpus? Yes. Do you know what it is? Not entirely. Yeah, it's one of those... It's, it's something about being present? Uh, what well, what it means, it's a writ, but it means deliver the body. Habeas corpus is used in criminal procedures and uh, criminal matters, and, and it's really... Uh, challenging the court to look at the reason the person is being detained and whether it's lawful or not. It doesn't go really to, to the facts of what's happened, but the actual definition for a writ of habeas corpus, which literally means to produce the body, is a court order demanding that a public official, such as a warden, deliver an imprisoned individual to the court and show a valid reason for that person's detention. So, you can't just be grabbed and thrown in court and thrown in jail without a valid reason. And thank God for that, huh, guys? Uh, today, habeas corpus is mainly used as a post-conviction remedy for state or federal prisoners who challenge the legality of the application of federal laws that were used in the judicial proceedings that resulted in their detention. So, you know, I know, I remember when I was in law school, I had this Professor Carlson He's a great professor, Professor Richard Carlson. He uh, taught my contracts class and my family law class. But uh, he told me that he and and many of the professors at the university, at the law school, got emails and letters every day saying, please help me. Please help me file this writ of habeas corpus. I've I've been detained. I don't know what to do. And he said that they're just inundated all the time. And um, what happens is people uh, go to, to prison, go to jail, and they try to get out. And so, you know, this is uh, one of the ways that they can do it. But I, I believe it's one of the very last ways that they can do it. They have to exhaust all their state remedies before they file for the habeas corpus with the state and then the same thing federally. So it's it's this one last effort. Um Uh, So I was saying that today it's mainly used as a post-conviction, after-conviction remedy for state or federal prisoners. Other uses of habeas corpus include immigration or deportation cases and matters that concern military detentions, court proceedings before military commissions, and convictions in military court. And guys, that, that military court system is a completely different court system than what you're familiar with, than our civil, our county, uh, and state court system. It's a, it's a whole different thing, but habeas corpus is used there as well. And finally, habeas corpus is used to determine preliminary matters in critical—preliminary matters, not final matters, but preliminary matters in criminal cases like an adequate basis for detention— Uh, whether or not the person that's been incarcerated or in jail should be removed to another federal district court. If they've been denied bail or parole, because if they're denied bail or parole, there has to be a really good reason that they were denied bail because unlawfully being detained is, is, you can't do it. It's illegal. It's against our, our rights. If there's a claim of double jeopardy, in other words, Hey, I've already been incarcerated for this and I pled guilty and I did my time, or I've already been thrown in jail for this and I was the, the charges were dropped or I was found not guilty for this. Uh, the, not if the charges were dropped, but if I was found not guilty for this. Um, the failure to provide for a speedy trial or hearing that goes back to the denial of jail or a bail or parole. Uh, you're entitled to a speedy trial or a hearing. And so we've got time limits now according to our Texas Rules of civil of Criminal Procedure that, uh, uh, you know, allow for that. So usually you, you get your hearing within, I believe it's 42 hours and then 78 hours you uh, can talk to an attorney. But, um, and then finally, um, the legality of extradition to a foreign country. And so that's when it would be used in immigration proceedings and, and uh, deportation cases. So, you can use the writ of habeas corpus to uh, to challenge being deported, which I think is kind of interesting. It means deliver the body. So, you're asking the court to deliver your body before the court, and then their actions be reviewed. Interesting. Uh, habeas corpus, uh, the writ of habeas corpus primarily acts as a writ of inquiry issued to test the reasons or grounds for restraint and detention. That's today. Uh, Habeas corpus has an interesting background, and and hopefully, uh, we'll get to that when Tony gets here. But the writ thus stands as a safeguard against imprisonment of those held in violation of the law by ordering the responsible enforcement authorities to provide valid reasons for the detention. Thus, the writ is designed to obtain immediate relief from unlawful impeachment by ordering immediate release. <clears throat> unless with sufficient legal reasons. That's what I was just telling you guys. Somebody can't just come and say, hey, I don't like the look you have on your face. I know some of you feel like that happens, but it really can't happen. <clears throat> I don't like the way you talk to me, so I'm going to throw you in jail. They That can't happen. And if it does, tell your attorney to file a writ of habeas corpus, and and then the arresting authorities have to show why they detained you. Um As a fundamental instrument for safeguarding individuals' freedoms against arbitrary and lawless state action. The writ of habeas corpus serves as a procedural device by which executive, judicial, or other government restraints on personal liberty are subjected to judicial scrutiny. So it's a safeguard. You know, um, we're not supposed to have a police force that goes around and just randomly enforces the law. And, you know, they don't do that. And the reason that they don't do that, I think, is because, you know, in the past, historically, it's been pushed and pulled and moved this way and that way. And and now we have, you know, Supreme Court laws and constitutional rights that the law can't be arbitrarily decided. And so that writ of habeas corpus is to keep that from happening, too. And the purpose of it is not to determine the guilt or innocence of a prisoner, but only to test the legality of the prisoner's current detention. In other words, the writ of habeas corpus um, only functions to test the jurisdictional defects that may invalidate the legal authority to detain the person. And the reviewing court only, only examines the power and authority of the governmental authority to detain the person and does not review the correctness of the authority's conclusion to detain the person. Well, that doesn't really make sense to me, Tony. Because if the only the reviewing court only examines the power and authority of the governmental authority to detain the person, well, if it's the sheriff's department or the police department, they've got the authority to detain the person.
1: Well, I guess that it's kind of taken out of context because writs cover not just post-trial convictions; they're to get the body. A writ could be they have them in family court all the time. You need a writ of habeas corpus corpus you file that to get a child right that's the first time i ever saw it, it was in a civil really sort of quasi-criminal uh, situation because writ of habeas corpus is just a latin word and you're like what is this what does it mean well habeas corpus means to have the body right mm-hmm. and um so uh when you when you use them for child custody situations it's because a, one of the parents won't they're keeping the kids. Yeah, it's always the, a battle, right? And so someone has to file this writ of habeas corpus so that they they're required by court order to comply with the whatever the custody arrangement is because typically somebody has breached the custody arrangement, and their usual argument is because the kids are being there's a harm to them if they're staying where they're at. What really is happening is you have two feuding parents, and one of them's not giving no. the kid up. They're keeping them no. hostage, and not really hostage per se. We're saying that. They're keeping the kids because they, they're using their control mechanism. I'm keeping the kids. You shouldn't have it to begin with. That was wrong. But the writ is really right. just so that the court will order that the, uh, the child be taken. There's like a little mini hearing for it. What um, uh, I think the way I see the, the usage of the writ of habeas corpus from my line of work
0: my in, in prim- criminal, my,
1: yeah. My primary focus mm-hmm. has always been on post convictions, mm-hmm. and it's what every one of my client or potential clients bring up uh, when they want when they've exhausted every single opportunity to get out to get their conviction overturned to get out of jail. They're used a little bit like, well, I guess there would be a writ if somebody's in, in jail pre-trial because they can't get a bond. Then you're gonna you're gonna file a motion for it. yeah, but it's and not I, called and I just, that it's not it's called well you're motioning for a bond because it's the same thing it's really a writ of habeas corpus Uh but you're asking the court to set a reasonable bond because if somebody's in jail and they haven't been let's say they've they're in jail they don't have a bond and 90 days has passed from the time that they were charged to the time that uh that I don't want to say when they should have been indicted, but if someone's not indicted... In a timely manner. In a right, timely manner. Within 90 days right. of the charge, mm-hmm. and they're incarcerated, mm-hmm. uh, there's a... a the, the, I think it's... I don't remember what code it is. It could be the Code of Criminal Procedure, which I, I'm pretty sure it is because it's not an actual crime. It's the way that the courts have to operate. Then they have to actually release them and dismiss the case. Mm-hmm. And that's why when somebody is charged in a felony case, you have to be indicted first. They are in a hurry to get it indicted unless the criminal defense attorney or the public defender asks for them to give them more time to present information to the grand jury so that they can try to get it no-billed or they can have an examining trial. Dismissed, you mean. Yeah, dismissed. But uh, when you no know, it's it's, you're they're basically dismissing it because they're The grand that, jury's
0: dismissed. Right,
1: it. but the grand jury hasn't dismissed it. it well, I take it back. The grand jury dismisses it when it's no-billed, but if it hasn't been Brought to the grand jury within the 90 days, and that being timely, as, as set by the time clock in the, the criminal code, then the prosecutors have to dismiss it. So it's nothing to do with the judge or anything, it's just a bunch of procedure. Right. I haven't seen, um, I haven't actually been the benef- benefactor of uh, one of the late uh, indictments because they get it done pretty quick. Right. But um, I would love it if I would get a case and they hadn't died. A lot of people don't know that law exists. And that's when you move for it. But, okay, I'm kind of jumping around because I really want to get to the uh, post-conviction writ of habeas habeas corpus corpus. because it's such an important thing. But I did want to uh, say just a few uh, to give you like a bullet list of your uh, remedies if you've been convicted and you felt like it was unfair because it's, it really does happen a lot, and it happens most of the time when somebody does a plea deal because they're in jail and they want to get out. They're in jail. They they don't trust the the court appointed attorney. They're in jail and they've been told by the jailhouse people that are surrounding them that they may as, they don't have a chance in 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 what, hell? What, you know, all the different ways that you say hell. But Guyana, mm-hmm. I kept saying Guyana the other day, like like Guyana, that little northern set of countries as hell. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a in Guyana. Um, but uh, we're after we get, I know we have to take a break, but after we get back from a break, I'm going to go over those lists of grounds for um, our remedies that are possible for a, writ of, uh, that you can uh, attack to try to get your conviction overturned after you've already pled
0: guilty or a jury's found you guilty. Right. Okay. All right. We, Tony and I are here today talking about habeas corpus, and we'll be right back after the break.
1: Did you know that there are over 153 million orphans in the world today? The sad reality is 99% of those kids will likely never be adopted. Core love is an organization right here in Conroe that takes care of orphaned children in Haiti, Honduras, and India. We bring the love of Jesus by providing their six basic needs of clean water, proper food, health care, education, job skills, and a loving home. Visit corelove.org, that's C-O-R-E-L-U-V.org. Will you help defend the orphan?
0: Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out slash sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936 647 3776 with your questions. Get seen on TV, YouTube, and heard on our podcast, FM, and Internet Radio. Support your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. What can the Better Living for Texans program do for you? You can learn how to increase your consumption of fruits and vegetables, choose foods that are relatively inexpensive and good to eat, make your food dollars last longer, prepare quick, nutritious meals, help your children learn how to eat healthier snacks, and much more. Our program is committed to helping people like you improve your health through providing research-based nutrition education in a friendly, cost-free, and relaxed environment. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about the writ of habeas corpus. We want you guys to know that you can listen to us watch us live on Facebook. And you can also uh, download Google Play and iTunes. Download the podcast tomorrow. It'll be available from IRLoneStar.com if that's the way you like your medicine. Um, (laughs) Tony, before we talk about the post-conviction, I want to give our listeners just a... It's not medicine. It's not? (laughs) You're uh, poison? It's dessert. (laughs) Dessert. (laughs) I want to talk about the history of the writ of habeas corpus. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Oh,
1: it is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're going to bring this up the, oh. because you have a constitutional right for it, so go. And
0: yeah. it's based on mm-hmm. our history with yes. English common yes. law. Mm-hmm. Okay. It originated in uh, in medieval, common, medieval English common law. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to say exactly where, but it was most famously codified in the 1215 Magna Carta. Mm-hmm. The English law was brought over to the North British colonies. You see,
1: all the way back to the 1215 Magna Carta. I know. There were still... Set, people were... Just if you go all the way back to when Christ and his passion, and he was improperly convicted. That's right. And killed within 24 hours, basically. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness he rose from the dead and he saved us from our sins. But that goes, for for the history of, of time, people have been
0: improperly well, us, convicted. Western, yeah. The, this, well, yeah,
1: for the history of time, people, people have, have been, been improperly been falsely accused and improperly convicted and sentenced. And that's why they came up with this, um, well, like spiritually, of course, we're we're forgiven and stuff through Jesus, but the Magna Carta, and that's, we basically, our law follows that from England. Um, They knew even then that there should be another remedy if you've been falsely convicted and imprisoned, even sentenced to death. And so this is the basis for our constitution. So the
0: Magna Carta, Mm in turn, the U.S. Constitution was Mm -hmm. influenced by the Magna Carta. We know that. Mm -hmm. The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus, this is in the Constitution, shall not be suspended unless, when in cases of rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it. Okay. In 1863, Abraham Lincoln famously used an, ex- an executive order during the Civil War to suspend the writ of habeas corpus to keep Maryland and important train routes from be- from between Washington, D.C. and no- the North. That's bizarre,
1: though. He suspended. A- the uh-huh. use of something that helps the people.
0: From falling to Confederate sympathizers. Mm-hmm. Because the Constitution allows for suspension in the event of rebellion... Lincoln was within his rights to do that. Mm-hmm. England had also suspended the writ during past emergencies. So, mm-hmm. what I want our listeners to know is, is that when crazy things are going on, they may not have time. They just start grabbing people and sticking them in jail to keep the public safe. So
1: that's what that's about. That's, that's why what that's did. about. So, that basic that that makes a lot of sense, though. That's almost like sort of our immigration situation, where you don't know who's right. You don't know who's coming in, and so we have to. To keep them, you know, incarcerate them until Uh which time we can vet, vet through to see if they're if it's safe to let people with disease or maybe a criminal background. Well, in Pearl Harbor,
0: Mm -hmm. also it was suspended. That's a
1: like a what's it called when they um, when not a quarantine is a a form of that too, a suspension of a writ Mm -hmm. because people are are the public is in danger. Right, they're held
0: against their will, but there is a public. For them too, a safety Mm -hmm.
1: reason for Mm -hmm. it,
0: but at Pearl Harbor, too, right? Mm -hmm. And in 2010, the writ was subject to a lot of legal dispute over the detention of suspected terrorists in Guantanamo Bay. Remember that Mm -hmm. Mm in 2008, the Supreme Court found the Military Commissions Act of 2006 unconstitutional. Which, Pre- which President Bush signed into allowing for the detention of unlawful enemy combatants. Right. And so for our listeners, if you don't know what that was all about, mm-hmm. it was about the writ of habeas corpus and detaining unlawful enemy combatants. They were
1: taking a right that was granted to us under the Constitution to file a writ for unlawful uh, retention by the government. Uh, but they were, they were using this and they were suspending it because of a national safety and personal safety Which issue. Which is constitutionally right. the only time it can be suspended. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was completely appropriate. In fact, they probably, I say they need to use it more, but the reality is they really don't grant many of these. They are as difficult as can be. The federal ones have almost been, uh, I, I want to say that I was reading an article on it. It was called Who Killed the Habeas Corpus? Is what this article was about. Really? On. And it was just written last year that basically uh, President Clinton, Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. we don't have another Clinton, mm-hmm. and Obama, uh, President Obama, um, they signed uh, s- some uh, federal orders, and I, there's more to it in this article that I was reading, that basically made it almost impossible to get a federal writ of habeas corpus, and we'll go over that in just a little bit. So, um, in fact, I'll just, because we're going over that right now about the constitutional issue, um, just to kind of uh, to put this kind of together. The, what happened in this case was in 1995, and I want to give an example so we don't bore The one Clinton
0: uh Yeah, the one that the,
1: the Clinton and Obama, this is what kind of came, how this came about, that they signed and made it more difficult to get federal writs. And it really hurt this particular situation um that they signed off on, that we would think that President Clinton being liberal would be helping people get out of prison, but this really hurt. And I was su- really, really surprised. So in 1995, this guy named Leandro Andrade uh, went to Kmart in Ontario, uh, in Ontario, California. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of close to the San Francisco area. Mm-hmm. And he stole some videotapes, just a few little videotapes, right? And then um, he was convicted of theft. And then um, a few weeks later, he went in and he stole more videos. This guy was a klepto on videos. Maybe he just wanted to watch, you know, old... No,
0: he was reproducing them and making millions. Oh,
1: okay. Maybe <laughs> so. Anyway, so he uh, got sentenced again for stealing $153 Worth the videotapes, and then he did it again. Okay, so three, the third time, third time, just a little nickel and dime junk, 153 dollars. Okay? okay, so maybe he just thought it was funny. But um, the 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 court, and in, in, this was in California. This, I'm talking about this is a federal case, but the same thing would apply in Texas. Um, the court was like, they have a three strike sure outlaw, mm-hmm. and outlaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, they sentenced this guy to let me see what was his sentence for the third conviction. Um, I think he got life in prison without parole. I mean, it was something just insane. Are you kidding and so, me? Anyway, the staggering sentence was largely a result of California's three-strikes-your-outlaw. And he had been, the same guy had been in and out of prison since the 1980s, including charges of nonviolent burglary and shoplifting incidents. These particular ones were the last straw for the court. They were tired of him always doing dumb things, okay? So the guy was just a petty thief, Well, you right? know,
0: Tony, that was right around the time that psychology and research started showing that these repeat offenders, we're spending all this money on getting everybody, but it's really the repeat offenders that commit like 90% of the right, crimes, right. So, so they want to get them. It was
1: a waste of the <clears throat> public resources on somebody that just wouldn't would quit, yeah. But they shouldn't Still, be in prison for life. Yeah. I mean, maybe they should get like a shock sentence, Golly. and then there's something called, I don't know if you knew this, but there's something called shock. Probation, where um, in this I saw this quite a bit in Harris County, but it's a law, and more people should take advantage of it.
0: If you have a, if criminal. you have an illegal thought, let me guess. If you have an illegal thought, the shock collar around your neck goes off. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you, uh,
1: that would be uh, that. For some reason, that's making me think of. Confession Is it that, like the
0: old chick trying to keep you from smoking? <laughs> you put things on and they say, okay, think about it. Think about it. <laughs> no, and I don't want to get off the beaten track too much, but <laughs> okay, Jim okay. and I were talking and it was really funny because um,
1: it, we were talking about getting an annulment because um, one of the readings— You and Jim were talking about getting no, an annulment? No, no, no. no, no. We're, married. we're married I'm forever. Kidding. We're a, 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 the perfect couple. Mm-hmm. You know, even when we fight, we, we don't fight for long. It's sort of like, you know, that's really not important to the big scheme of things. And so that's the way all marital fights really should be. Um Uh, Do you agree with us, station manager Dick, that when you have a fight with your spouse, it should just be a situational fight, and then, but it's not something that's going to create friction where you're headed down to the court with your divorce papers, right? (laughs) I'm asking because you're newly married.
0: I, I mean, I would expect anything would happen, no matter what happens.
1: That you wouldn't get a divorce.
0: Well, I'm just saying, if I'm (laughs) heading to the, uh, the court and we're getting a fight, um, it's already going downhill.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you will know that your relationships and, 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 and you know, you, you're safe if you have pretty much a knockdown, dragout out fight over something, but certainly it doesn't go to the core of your relationship, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. What about this shock therapy? That, no, no, I have to finish or my... shock my, punishment, yeah, shock but, punishment. Uh, but this, oh, I, you didn't want to talk about that? I do, but I want to finish my story oh, okay. because Jim and
1: I, were, we, we read oh, that... Oh, right, right. We read that um, he was like feeling like he was home free because we we're he was like, oh, well... Uh, if you get uh, if you this the, the, and you know the Bible, but it was basically if you get married and uh, a husband divorces his wife, then uh, that and then he can't get remarried because that's considered adultery unless in the the Catholic faith you get an annulment, annulment blessed by the Pope. An annulment means that, you had to have a good reason that to show that the marriage wasn't legitimate, just like in real court, just like in civil oh, this court. this is like habeas corpus. Yes, the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. You have to go prove why the conviction wasn't legitimate. And uh, Jim was feeling like, ah, oh, I'm great. Because there was an exception. If, you're, if your uh, spouse cheats on you, if your wife cheats on you, then it's okay. You get married and it's not a sin. But this, In the Catholic Church? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, there was an exception. Okay. Well, That's what Jesus said. It was in one of the Gospels. Yeah. And you'll, but you know the Bible better than me, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But, but if, uh, but then the, the very, he was all happy. He's like, I don't need an enrollment, I'm not sinning. I'm good to go. I'm, I've got. I'm in the state of grace. Everything's great. And because he's not Catholic, he's Baptist. But he said uh, the very next uh, uh, line that said that if you marry, but if you marry a divorced woman, then you're back in hot water because you've just, you've now committed another mortal sin. And he's like. He's like, I was fine until I married you, and then I married you, and now I'm going to Hades. No, he's not, because God's forgiving God. He's, he'll have to become Catholic and go to confession to wipe that mortal sin away and, and take care of problems. Oh, is that what
0: will take care of that? Yes, confession oh. takes care of everything. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. But,
1: okay, but the other thing is the shock probation. Um, if somebody is sentenced to, let's say, the example I'll use is a real example, uh, there was a gal that was embezzling from like $500,000 from the, the oil company I used to work for, Sweetest girl, as uh, could not believe that she was doing this. But mm-hmm. what she did was she set up a bank account for. We had a, he had a bunch of different entities, and his uh, this, the president of this company would get uh, royalty checks for the different different the different entities. Right. Right. Well, a, a couple of them he stopped operating under, but he was still receiving checks periodically mm-hmm. for that revenue. Mm-hmm. And what he'd have to do is he'd have to, or she would, because she was executive assistant. She would send the checks back to that company and ask them to reissue them to the new company. Well, the state of Louisiana, for some reason, was sending them royalties on one of these wells, and they wouldn't change it, and she kept sending it back. And then finally, she came to me one day. I didn't know I was helping her because I didn't know what the question was about. She said, what am I supposed to do with this $20,000 check from the state of Louisiana to um, whatever the state was this, this company was named? And we were laughing about it. I said, we're going to to send it back, or I guess you're just going to have to set up a bank account. Well, I didn't think anything of it. She did. She went to the bank. She set up her... As though she was the president of this yeah. corporation because mm-hmm. it was now mm-hmm. an, an inactive corporation. Mm-hmm. She set up a corporation, made her president, and started putting money in this account. Right. So every time the money came, happens she was all the time. And, and then she got greedy, though. She didn't just use those checks. Mm-hmm. She started endorsing checks that were coming into him individually. Oh, right. He was pretty wealthy. Yeah. And put his account. Well, ultimately, out after about a two year period, it went the amount of money Did that he she. Did catch was, her? Well, what happened was she was endorsing these checks, and it was up to $500,000 worth mm-hmm. of checks that she was just going to Disney mm-hmm. and doing all this stuff. And she wasn't making that much money. And right. nobody was, they just thought her husband was making a lot of money. But um, it ends up that he did catch her because one of the companies that was sending the money said, you know, I just want to bring to your attention directly because they were calling and she was, she was, uh, she was, uh, what do you call it? when the calls come in and she was filtering, filtering the calls. Yes. Yeah, she was, she was catching the calls and saying, oh no, he signed intercepting that. Intercepting the right, calls. Intercepting yeah. the calls. Right. And making it good. So As, another
0: company told him she was out Well, she
1: was out to lunch one day, literally, mm-hmm. and um, they called him directly, and he picked the phone up. Cause, you know, he's kind of a hands-on kind of guy, real nice. And uh, they said, can you look into it? So he went down to the bank to look into it, and then she found out the bank was in the same building. She found out that he had gone down to his bank. He had left a message that he was going to check into something, but she knew when he, when he what the subject line yeah, was. Yeah, they're
0: always just paranoid. She knew that,
1: that she was in trouble because mm-hmm. she knew he was checking into you on his own, not asking her to do it. Right. That's how embezzlement always works. The people right. that are watching the hen house are the ones that are ripping you off. You mm-hmm. know? And so we went down there, and she was long gone by the time he got back. Oh, she just disappeared? She just left for lunch and Well, didn't where come does back. the shock therapy? Are- okay, well, what happened therapy. was she was ultimately... Uh, convicted because they had her dead to water. She had taken this money; was her she it was her account. She had signed off on it. She was, and so um, when she went, she ended up taking a plea deal uh, instead of doing you know a, a million years in prison or whatever. Uh, and they tried to do it federal too, but federal wouldn't take it. Five hundred thousand dollars is not enough for the federal people to yeah. say the federal uh, district courts to take the case. But of course, the state did uh, charge and indict her. Uh, she took a a ten year uh, TDC. She'd never been in jail before, but she took. A, a ten-year imprisonment um, uh, uh, term uh, for, for embezzling, and, and typically you can get out of probation for something that's nonviolent uh, in twenty-five percent of the time. So she'd be out. She would have made basically a half million dollars, half million dollars, and just had to do a little bit of time down in Gainesville for they, two and a half years. They didn't
0: seize her house or cars or anything like that. She didn't have it. Well, they
1: should have, but by the time this was all playing out. She had bought all this stuff, and mm-hmm. she was selling it like you wouldn't believe. She was selling diamonds and Mercedes. She, so there was no longer, just like people that are bad, there was no longer a way to execute on any judgment. She sold it all. Wow. The government was going to go take it uh, mm-hmm. for on behalf of the guy she stole the money from. Right. But by the time, she was going through it to protect her family. Mm-hmm. I guess she felt like she worked so hard for him that she was entitled to it. No, they always do. Yeah. But, um, but to, to finish up the story, the bottom line is, she got the 10-year sentence, and within six months of that sentence, she could have applied for a motion for uh, shock probation, and uh, she could have been the judge because she had no priors. She was just, her, her crime was against just one person, the one that hired her. She would still have the crime, but her sentence would have been uh, changed or deferred or modified so that she had, say, a 10-year probation and she would have to pay back the you know the restitution by working and doing other things which would have been a more appropriate thing than yeah, being yeah. in prison for mm-hmm. even two and a half years mm-hmm. and what happened though was she didn't pay her attorney so he didn't file it in time so she stayed in prison for two and a half years
0: and then she got out and then she got out and years. but she
1: was too she still got a half million dollars worth of stuff but what is shock probation that's the shock the shock probation is she goes to prison and she's shocked by the the, the, the environment. The environment. And then she asked for probation oh, to, for them to we, modify it. Okay. She let her out on probation. And she qualified in every way if she'd only paid her attorney. So listen, people, if you get a high sentence, you pay your attorney. Right. Because there's a shock probation out there they can file to get you out. Courts will not listen to you if you're a prisoner. And you don't get any any sway when you're already being uh, transferred over to TDC. Um, ends up that she it was like um, Martha Stewart. She actually kind of had fun after I, uh, I learned later she made her time well. She got her some college work done and stuff. It ended up doing, being a, kind of a win-win. The guy that she stole from was so rich, he didn't even feel it. But mm. she shouldn't have done it, and there was a punishment. Right. So, anyway, I know we have to take a break. So, okay. Um,
0: All right. Well, Tony and I are here today talking about the writ of habeas corpus. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
1: 647-3776. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs, which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less acres in an environmentally sound ways. Find out more online
0: at Path to the Plates We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better.
1: Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash tts. You can find all of our social media. And
0: don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, check out the Ticket Stuff podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about the writ of habeas corpus and you know, Tony, you were talking about that story about the guy stealing the videos three times in California's three strikes. Petty strikers. thief. Petty yeah. Thief. So, what happened there?
1: Well, ultimately, um, the case went to the Supreme Court
0: of California.
1: Uh, of, of, no, of the United States. Uh, and in in two thousand three, so this went on about eight years while he was incarcerated. The court ruled against him. They said uh, that you know life in jail. He got out. It was not without parole. But even with, even when it says with no possibility of parole, well, I take that back. It was 50 years, and he was 33, and so it was 50 years without the parole, and so he wouldn't be eligible until, he wouldn't even be eligible. He would just get out when he was 87. And they didn't overturn it, and he is still in prison today over silly videos. And um, so his case offers a window into what may well be the most tragic, tragic development of the modern legal era, and it's the destruction of the habeas corpus, at least on the federal level because of some, uh, uh, some law that President Clinton and Obama signed into law after this case. Um, the uh, the destruction of the habeas corpus, as it, it was supposed to be an effective remedy for individuals who are imprisoned as a result of a violation of their constitutional rights by a state court. Okay, that's how it ended up in the United States. Supreme the court. state court violates your constitutional right, rights. Right. Okay. Now you could be imprisoned by federal court and it would apply too, but this was in particular what the law was that they signed. Now this was uh, it's the writ of habeas corpus for post-trial convictions was once known as the Great Writ of Liberty. Habeas corpus has been so, as we speak today, it has been so extensively diminished that it is no longer a protection against unlawful imprisonment, but rather an empty procedure that enables and may actually encourage state courts to disregard constitutional That's rights. So true,
0: Tony. It is completely wrong that yeah. these
1: people are convicted. It's terrible. Um, if you get a bad jury because some motorcycle gang people show up to sway the jury, uh, that you know, for for child rights, when you didn't even do anything wrong, but they're just or a judge by it. that
0: gets it threatened or intimidated because they're
1: running for office and they want to show that they convict everybody. Yeah. and your guy gets wrongly convicted and they get a a sorry piece of you know what person to do the repeal, and so they've exhausted all their appeals. The only thing they have left is a state writ and a federal writ. We're gonna go over that in a minute, but anyway, the the writ of habeas corpus came to the United States by way of English law, and we already went over that, and. Uh, 17, uh, well,
0: 18. we were talking about what Clinton and, and Obama right, right, signed. Right, right, right,
1: they, they, right. They got into that. But to know that kind of how it went down the pike, um, there was a second series of decisions by the Warren Court in the 1960s mm-hmm. um, extending the procedural protections in the Bill of Rights to criminal defendants and state courts. Because you know everybody was all about in the 60s. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they, a lot of freedom. A lot of reform, civil rights. And, Freedoms for civil rights and, mm-hmm. and people that were unlawfully convicted came about in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. So this was really helpful. Yeah. Many law enforcement officials resisted these decisions, including, for example, the rulings um, for uh, the rulings that, that for, to the exclusion of evidence resulting from unlawful searches. Remember the knock, uh, the, uh,
0: the, the uh, knock and announce, the, the knock
1: and announce. You're
0: talking about the fruit of the poisonous tree, right? The those search.
1: all came about. Those those uh, particular protections of your constitutional rights. All came about through a Supreme Court uh, 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 cases, rulings in the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, Miranda was in mm-hmm. the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had a few that have come down the pike, but they've been diminished in, in more recent yes, years. So and true. so people's rights are now been taken away mm-hmm. by the executive branch. And that's why we had Kim Kardashian and her group going down there and asking Trump. President Trump to please give clemency to people that. Yeah, I was an older black lady that had sold just a little bit of marijuana, and she was in prison for life. Yeah, for something. And marijuana now is unbelievable legal in so many states, but that doesn't overturn the convictions of the past.
0: No. Well, I I heard that there was some legislation that was actually targeted at doing that. Yes. Have you heard that? No. I heard that. Okay. Well. So so what did they sign? What was it?
1: So what happened was, um, just to finish this up. Nevertheless, even with the impediments that the courts created, a state prisoner generally had the right to have a federal court independently review the merits of his or her constitutional claim, uh, assuming that they had a constitutional breach or violation, so they shouldn't have been—their state court uh, case must be overturned. And a federal court had the authority and, in fact, the duty to grant a writ of habeas corpus so they can come back to court so they can re-argue their constitutional violation, right? Mm -hmm. In the mid-1990s, however, things took another bad turn— Congressional Republicans led by Newt Gingrich, made habeas corpus reform a part of their contract with America. So, you know, I'm a Republican, but these people are not doing a service to people that got a bad uh, deal with their case in state court. He drafted a bill containing a hodgepodge of restrictions. They declined to discuss the bill with the habeas experts, refused to hold hearings, and fast-tracked the legislation onto both floors so this bill got passed. Although the bill had little to do with terrorism and affected all and affected all state prisoners, not just those subject to the death penalty, they named it the Anti-Terrorism and Effective, an effective death, death Penalty, penalty Act. Act. And in the wake of the bombing of the federal building in the Oklahoma City, they passed it with an overwhelming majority. But that was because the legislatures that we elect, our state representatives and senators, just didn't like read today, it? didn't have a chance to read it. They put it, Look, it's like with the Health Care Act, they buried it, okay? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. sadly, over the ejections of habeas corpus scholars, several libertarians, and their his own counsel, Abner Minkaba, President Clinton signed a bill in 1996. One would have hoped that Clinton, who had taught constitutional law in school, and I think he, didn't President Clinton,
0: re- uh, He taught constitutional law? Yeah, but he's not a lawyer Obama anymore. did. Obama, Obama taught did too. These people
1: they they get made, they became president but they're not looking at or they're in, maybe intentionally uh disregarding some of the constitutional rules. Everybody should really just sit down and read the constitution. It's got some yeah, really good stuff in once. it. At it least once.
0: It's not boring. that long.
1: It's very important if you've been convicted mm-hmm. that you know your constitutional rights mm-hmm. and the only way to know it is to actually read the constitution. That's right? true. Okay. So, Bill Clinton before he gave up his law license, I think it's before he was going to be impeached, um taught constitutional law. Um you would have thought that he would not have signed a bill weakening the Great Writ. But Clinton was well aware of the harm of this particular act would cause to people whose state court convictions resulted from the deprivation of their constitutional rights, but he was willing to sacrifice them for his own political gain. He wanted to be perceived as being tough on crime, and a habeas corpus had no politically significant constituency because uh, criminals can't vote anyway. I know. And a, ter- terrible. A, a terrible bill thus became the law of the land. Okay, so basically he made it almost impossible for um, for people to get a federal writ. Two provisions of this are uh, particularly objectionable. The first, as interpreted by the Supreme Court, um, was, uh, oh gosh, it, there, anyway, there was two things that he signed off on. Read Bill Clinton's uh, ruling on it. It made it so that this particular guy was unable to uh to get his writ overturned. So it, it, it was long, but they, they stuffed two and things in there. And he's in
0: prison until he's 83.
1: Until he's 83. Um, the effect of the provisions of this federal uh, court, uh, this federal law that Clinton signed into, and then I think Obama buffed it up some more, meant that it made it very, very difficult to get your writ granted. Um, although this particular um, act was misguided from, from its inception, it elevates... Flawed state court adjudications of guilt over individual constitutional rights, which is completely wrong. You should have the constitutional should be the supreme law. It shouldn't be. It should be what helps you. Tony, we need to get this overturned. Yeah, well, absolutely, and that means we need to get with our state legislatures Mm -hmm. to make sure that they can get make it so that when you are improperly convicted for any reason, meaning that you went in there and you. This happens so much. I know. People just want to get out of jail. They're, they've been told to anything by their public defender mm-hmm. that, that they have got a, a terrible case and they need to plead. The public defender wants them to plead because they're getting money from the court. They're being getting appointments by the court. The court-appointed are are friends with the judges. That's how they get to be court-appointed. And in order to keep their own livelihood, they're trying to move these cases out of the court And yeah, it may be true that this person may have been a bad guy, the person that's being, you know, that they're asking to take a plea for a conviction, but that's not always the case. Maybe there was a constitutional violation, and they need to look a little bit further into it. I have a guy right now uh, that y'all I'm don't care with. how
0: bad you are playing to something that you didn't do, and it happens all the time. But let's go
1: a step further. You go ahead and you go to trial with your public defender, mm-hmm. and they don't prepare for court because you're just another number to yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Then you go to court, and they don't get the right witnesses. They don't get the right experts, and the jury doesn't. And then the the, the state, and remember, it's you against the state at this point. Mm-hmm. Your public defender may be representing you, but you've got the prosecution. You've got the state-elected co- judge. you got to be that works at court. It's you against the state. You go to court, and they haven't subpoenaed the people that should be testifying on your behalf and the jury doesn't get to see it or the judge doesn't get to see it mm-hmm. and you get improperly convicted.
0: Mm-hmm. Then it's even
1: worse because you've had a trial and you're convicted under bad law, okay? Mm-hmm. Bad facts. Mm-hmm. And then you get a bad state appointed because you don't have any money left, uh, appellate attorney, and they and, and it gets um, affirmed, your conviction. Now you're sitting in jail forever for something you didn't do. Or you, you're, you've gone to jail and done your time and you've got this conviction on your record that's preventing you from getting housing or jobs, mm-hmm. and you're or a going good to guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's all
0: really really sad. And um, okay, so habeas corpus is a post conviction remedy. How much time do we have left, Dick? Ten minutes. Okay. okay. All right. So you're ten minutes to go through it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. It's also a post conviction remedy, and I know you really want to talk about that yes. for our listeners. Yes. And I think it's awesome. Right. Um, so. There are uh, there's a list of remedies that the person applying for the habeas corpus has to exhaust before they can apply for the habeas corpus. And mm-hmm. but like you're saying, I mean, they're so difficult to get granted. I mean, the federal ones are difficult to get granted. But mm-hmm. what about the state ones? Aren't the, isn't aren't there state habeas corpuses? Well, with the um, oh my gosh, yes. In fact, that's one of
1: your. In fact, do you? I think you have a list of all the different mm-hmm, mm-hmm. post conviction. Uh, remedies, remedies that you can apply, and what are some of those? Because uh, you can uh, do the shock proba- probation that right. you were talking about. Right. So you've already been convicted, mm-hmm. and that's not going to overturn your conviction. This is a little different. Yeah. That's going to over. That's going to modify the punishment, which in a lot of cases is. You you can't get over. I mean, you you were guilty of what charge? Like the embezzler girl, right. but you don't want to be. You've got a family. You've got children. It was only one time you were. And you're in shock. You were you're in shock. The whole world's in shock. Even though they you probably deserved it for stealing a half million dollars, but you you really are. Your your time is not best served because you're not really a hardened criminal. You've got some kids you need to raise, and that shock may be just enough to send you over to the confessional to get that you know get be in a state of grace and never do it again. So you got the shock probation, mm-hmm. you got the motion for new trial, right, which is going to be an overturning of the conviction. Mm-hmm. You can do a motion for a new trial on both the uh the actual guilt phase or the punishment phase, it's both. So you if you believe that you cannot get it overturned on guilt, then definitely go a motion for new trial on your punishment, which is like a, a it's not called the same thing, but it's the same thing. It is like a shock probation. Right. You're asking for a different punishment.
0: The motion for acquittal is another one where you yes. just ask the judge to overturn right. the guilty and verdict. And you can do
1: that actually in the middle of trial. You can say, "I move for a directed verdict." And I forgot, I do both criminal and, and civil. But it's when the the state has not proved their case or mm-hmm. the plaintiff has not proved their case mm-hmm. after they have they have they've, they've, uh, they've rested. Then you could stand up and ask the judge. Uh do a motion, you can do it written, but most of the time I see it orally, that you move for an acquittal or you move for a directed verdict because they haven't proved their case. Sometimes you get it. We almost got one not too long ago. Uh,
0: with emphasis on almost. Mm-hmm.
1: Almost because the judge is really thinking hard about it. But they really want to see that if you've got a jury trial, a judge is a little bit different. If you've got a jury trial, they really don't like to take it away from the jury. That's so true.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, appeal to state appellate court, you were just mentioning. Right, that's that. their,
1: the first, but and also when you do your appeal to the state court, uh, we have, I believe, now 14. I, for some reason, I keep thinking We've we have got 15 14. now. We've 14. 14. We haven't added another court. I think mm-hmm. we added another one, but we have at least 14. If we add another one, since I've been in law school and I haven't been in the 15th court, but I thought we had a 15th court. Maybe that's in um, County Court of Law in Harris County. We added a 15th. I, I don't remember, but get it into the appellate court, and you have to do that. Within You have to file a notice of appeal within 30 days mm-hmm. of the actual signed order or you lose that opportunity to appeal to the state court. Very important. Everything's very timely. So state court appeal. And when you do the appeal, you want to appeal certain grounds, okay? So if you appeal certain grounds, there, you want to save some of them for the writ that we're going to
0: talk about in a little bit. Okay. Uh, so there's that, the mm-hmm. appellate court. Mm-hmm. Uh Petition for rehearing to state appeals court. That's when they don't grant it, then you petition for rehearing. Mm -hmm. And then state court habeas corpus petitions. Right. So, and there's also a federal one. If Uh you lose on the
1: state level, then you can apply for a federal. We have a state constitution here in Texas, mm-hmm. and we also have the United States Constitution. And the United States Constitution is your last stop, mm-hmm. short of going to the president and asking for clemency. Right. Or going to the governor if it's a state, state and state asking and ask for, for a pardon. Uh, for a pardon. Mm-hmm. Those are also some options to get rid of your... Now, I, I will just add in there real quick that um, if you've got a conviction and you had... It was a deferred, though. You pled guilty. We've talked about this on other shows. And your deferred was ultimately... Um, you, you did you complied with all the terms and it was dismissed. Then you can go for a non-disclosure. So the only people that will see it was is the court, law enforcement, and various agencies. But the general public won't see it, so it's non-disclosed. You can also, if you were no-billed, you were, uh, uh, it went to the the, the uh, grand jury, the grand jury, they no-billed it. You can ask for an expunction almost mm-hmm. immediately. If you're found not guilty in court, you can ask right then, and it's free. You have to pay if you wait too long. But within 30 days of your conviction, I think 30, it might be two weeks, you can ask the court to expunge it. If you want to do that immediately, you want to ask. If your attorney doesn't do it, then if you, you're found not guilty. I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself here. Okay, so those are your remedies. Now, these are the grounds for a habeas corpus petition. Um, they're they're very similar in a federal court, but if you don't have, if you can't argue one of these and just forget it, it's not going to happen. But the problem you have is even arguing these, you've got to argue, you're not going to get your writ granted, and you. it's a civil writ. You file it in civil court. An attorney will know how to do this. Um, you'll go through the the procedures, but... But if you file it and in state court and it's not granted, it will only be granted. Let me go back. It will only be granted if you have clear and convincing evidence that that it should be granted, that you were not guilty, that this was a malfeasance of justice. That is a completely insane a uh, degree of of uh, uh, what, what do you say? It's a, a standard. Standard. Okay, uh, but. If you, if you are innocent, like you are convicted of murder and you weren't even anywhere near there, but you just happen to look like the person, you, then you must do this, okay? So here are the grounds. Um, conviction under an unconstitutional law. That is the very first ground. That is what President Obama and President Clinton um, have almost wiped out when them signing these acts into law that made it almost impossible for a federal writ. But with state, you still have a chance. It's still insanely difficult because our state officials are elected and they don't want to show that they're soft on law, but do try it if you have an unconstitutional reason, okay? That'll get you in the door. Ineffective assistance and counsel are no lawyer provided. This happens when you're you rarely get this unless your uh, your counsel literally asleep during trial and mm-hmm. they've been they've been granted under those conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, prosecutorial misconduct is another really big one. That's when the prosecutor has withheld. Uh, evidence that would have exonerated you brady evidence mm-hmm. that somebody has already confessed to the crime mm-hmm. and and they don't tell you that they've got that confession they just hold back because they don't like you and they want to get a victory and they know that you're you're you, there's no way you're going to win based on what they believe you have right now so they're rolling the dice Um, incompetency during trial. If you were incompetent because you were just crazy as a loon and, but let's say that you have periods of, of being competent, of lucidity, right. Then, um, and your lawyer should have had a competency test or it was done improperly because everybody's paying everybody else. Then that's, if you can prove that you were, if you can prove that your client was incompetent, not necessarily you, let's say you're competent now, that gal that drowned all of her kids, she should have been found incompetent. And she wasn't. And I think what happened, I can't remember how that got overturned, but um, her, she, uh, she her, tr- her conviction for murder of her children, she got a new trial. I think it was based on incompetency. And I can't remember. I have to go look at that. But, but she got it overturned. And now she's in a state hospital. She no longer has a conviction for murdering all of her kids. Uh, because, Do you because know it-
0: her husband went to U of H law school?
1: Really, mm-hmm. and I know he remarried and he got a divorce because he was a control freak with the second wife, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I was mm-hmm. reading all about that. Newly discovered evidence is huge if you find out after the fact, they they find the smoking gun literally, and it wasn't the one that the, the prosecutor said was used. That's a way to get you want to put that in your writ. Changes in the law is huge. That lady that had the um, her um, you know, uh, pot conviction, you know, she's in that the, the President Trump the exonerated. That, mm-hmm. The changes in the law would probably be a good reason if she could go through that. It's a really tough one. It's way down on the Is there a list. time limit? For writ, no. There, but the sooner you do it, the better, because the state will argue against uh, you saying that, why didn't you bring this up sooner? So the sooner the law changes, you want to get in there with it. Evidence regarding battered women's syndrome, didn't. it hasn't come in a bunch, but it should. And I saw uh, one recently um, in Harris County, well, it's actually the state of Texas, but it got overturned based on uh, battered women's syndrome because this woman was uh, convicted of murdering her husband when he would, he regularly beat her and this evidence didn't come out properly with the right experts is what happened. Mm. And then challenging the conditions of confinement. That's you would think that that wouldn't be something that you'd bring up, but you have a constitutional right to, um, to be treated fairly even in prison. And if they're beating you regularly and, and, you know, uh, like they do in China. I just heard about this. My daughter was telling me about it. Mm -hmm. She said in China, dissidents actually, um, they bring them into court. They have a lot of, let's say somebody needs a new kidney. uh, And she was reading this article to me. In China, you don't have the same constitutional rights you have here. That's why everybody wants to be in the United States. Mm -hmm. They will actually bring these dissidents to the hospital and tell the orderly, prepare them, we're going to remove their kidney. And they don't even give them pain medication. It's this long article In China, it's so bad, they will take a live person and take their kidney out to give somebody else if you're against the state politically. So we have, this is why everybody's coming to be here. That's why we have, coming to the United States to be citizens and we have a constitution that protects your rights. thank God for the great writ. Listen,
0: thank you for listening. Uh, We want to remind you to always serve God by serving others. Thanks for listening guys, have a great week.